Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. This is the 27th program in this series, where I am in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, I'll be speaking from verse 33. But to review a little bit from the previous program, what we have is we have a situation where Jesus performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. He performed this miracle, and many of the people who benefited from this miracle are following after Jesus, trying to get him to give them some more bread, some more food to eat. That they are following after him, they are confronting him, they are trying to manipulate him, they are engaging in a conversation with him for the sole purpose of trying to provoke him into giving them some bread to eat, just like he gave them bread and fish at the feeding of the 5,000. In verse 30, this is John chapter 6, verse 30, it says, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. They were trying to provoke Jesus by comparing him with Moses and manipulate him into giving them bread from heaven, just like the children of Israel experienced when they were in the wilderness with Moses. Jesus corrects them and he explains to them that it was not Moses, it was God himself who provided them with bread. And sure enough, the people just experienced a miracle of God providing them with bread through what the Lord Jesus did. But the real issue is that God wants to provide them with something else. And Jesus uses bread as a symbol, as a symbolic representation of the giving of himself, the giving of himself to them. Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. That is in verse 32. In verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so the physical bread that God gave the children of Israel in the desert was used in order to explain the giving of the Messiah. So also Jesus gave them bread at the feeding of the 5,000, and he is using that miracle in order to get their attention and speak to them about something else, about a different kind of bread that he is there to give them, and that is himself. They are not interested in what he has to offer. And that's why this conversation is not productive, and why Jesus will need to find a way to exit 
this conversation and exit this relationship that the people are trying to impose on him because they are not interested in what he has to offer. Again, in verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread that the people were eating would give them life, physical life in a sense, but this is a different kind of bread and it is a different kind of life. The people still do not understand what he's talking about. In verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. They do not believe because they are not interested in what he really has to give them. And that is all that they need in the core of their spirit. All that they need in their soul, all that they are thinking about, is what they need in their flesh. They are trying to get him, trying to provoke him, trying to manipulate him, trying to do whatever it takes. That's why they are continuing this conversation. They want him to give them bread for their flesh. And he is effectively telling them, no, the kind of bread that I am offering that I am willing to give to you, is what is needed by your soul, what is needed by your spirit. And he identifies himself as the bread, as the bread of life. He is the bread of the life of God. He is speaking to them about the gospel. So the people found him after he left the region He fed the 5,000 or 15 to 20,000 people. He fed them with the miracle of the multiplication of the bread and the fishes. They were about to make him king by force, which meant that he clearly did not want to be established as the king in that way. But they were about to do that by force and make him be their king. He found a way to escape. And he did that by walking across the water, walking across the Sea of Galilee when it was dark and they weren't looking. He managed to escape. They eventually find him. They search for him and they find him here in Capernaum. And they are trying to get him to give them some more food to feed them. And he is telling them, listen, after all of this, this is what I have to offer I have the gospel, and he identifies himself as the bread. Now, previously, in John chapter 6, in verse 11, and also in verse 23, it's mentioned that Jesus gave thanks. When he was about to distribute the bread, he gave thanks, and in effect, he blessed the bread. Now, there is a traditional blessing For the bread that has been said since the time of Jesus, it's a very simple one. It's blessed be the Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That's the translation of it. In Hebrew, it was Baruch HaTaronai Eloheinu Melch HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min HaAretz Amen. And there's a tune that goes along with the saying of that particular blessing. And the emphasis of this giving of thanks is that God is the one who brought forth the bread from the earth. 
It was said in verse 11, it was said in verse 23, and now here, in verse 35, Jesus identifies himself as the bread, as the bread of life, that God is, in effect, going to bring forth from the earth at the appointed time. And we know that this is going to happen. It does happen at the end of his ministry when he completes all that the Lord gave him to do. He was crucified, he died, he was buried, and God brought him forth from the earth through resurrection, through making him alive. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have the complete forgiveness of sins, and the Lord our God has restored to us, to all who are willing to receive him, has restored to us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life that was lost in Adam. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is that the sin issue has come to an end so that now our God can resurrect us right now and today through his life, through the indwelling presence of the life of God, the Holy Spirit, who is also Jesus. Sometimes we will refer to this as Jesus being in our hearts. There are many phrases that can be used to describe the gospel. And this is what Jesus tells them. He has their attention. They followed him all the way from across the Sea of Galilee, from this desolate place, this deserted area, to find him and to engage in a conversation with him, and he tells them about the gospel. But that's not what they're interested in. They don't care. To them, that is irrelevant. All they want is more bread and fish. They want something for their flesh. This is why Jesus exited the relationship across from Galilee, why he escaped in the way that he did. And here they are now again. Now they are here, and they are not willing to leave him alone. He gives them a clear explanation of what he has to offer, and they don't really want it. In verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. But it wasn't really what they wanted. What they wanted was what they came for. They were not there for the bread that he was truly offering, which is the restoration of the Holy Spirit that would make them alive. That's what he was there for, to give life to the world. Again in verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What is this life? This life is the life of God. The life of God that was lost in Adam that is now being made available to resurrect people from the dead. And because the sin issue has been completely resolved through the crucifixion, It is resolved now. When Jesus was speaking, it was not resolved yet, but he was about to resolve it. Because of the complete forgiveness of sins, there is no sin that will cause the life of God, the Holy Spirit, to ever depart from within us again. Therefore, the life that we have is eternal life. Going back up to John chapter 6, verse 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, 
everlasting life that you can have right now today and will endure. It will carry you on into eternity even after you physically die. Continuing in verse 27, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on them. But in verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. He has already made it clear to them. There is nothing more for them to discuss. This conversation needs to end. Jesus continues in verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He is ending this conversation. He is ending this relationship that the people believe that they have with him. He is putting this to an end, but he tells them directly that he will not exit a relationship. He will not cast anyone out who is legitimately wanting to have a relationship with him on the basis of what he is willing to offer. He won't let any of those people go. But these people who are talking to him right now, he will cast them out. He will exit the relationship with them. He is not there to do what anyone else wants him to do. He is there for the purpose of doing what God has sent him to do. And so even though these people are being very aggressive, they're being manipulative, they are willing to apply force to get him to do whatever they want him to do, he makes it absolutely clear in verse 38 that he is only here to do what God has sent him to do and he is not going to be provoked into doing what they think that he should be doing. Again, in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. This is what he says. He makes it absolutely clear that this is what the Father wants of him, and this is exactly what he is going to do. But then the Jews complained in verse 31. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him, draws him to Jesus. Well, who is going to fit in this category? Anyone who wants to know the Father. 
anyone who wants to know God. Anyone who wants to know him will also want to know the Lord Jesus, will want to know the Son, will want to know the Messiah, will want to know their God who is manifested in the flesh, the Son who is born, who is the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, that one, the wonderful Counselor, that's the one. And so no one can go to him, no one can go to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him. And how does the Father draw people to himself? He draws people to himself by provoking them, by speaking to them, by testifying to them, by confronting them in many ways to show them that they have a need for God, that they have a need for only what God has to offer that this world was created in a way that it would not satisfy the deepest needs of a person's heart, and that God draws everyone to himself. But when a person decides to reject their creator, when they make a decision to reject him, then they will not make it past him to get to the Lord Jesus. But if they will come to God for who he is and want to be reconciled to him and want to know him and to have a relationship with him, then they will be directed by him to the Lord Jesus. Again, in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Unless the father draws him, draws him to himself, and then he will direct him to the Lord Jesus who will raise him up at the last day. That's how it's done. In verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He gave his flesh in the sense that he died for the sins of the world, so that the life of God could be restored to the world, could be restored to the world, to anyone who would be willing to receive him to be made spiritually alive and be saved. Jesus is speaking to them about the gospel, not a bunch of bread. He's speaking about the life of God, about the good news, about salvation, about solving the problem of humanity. That spiritual death entered into the world as a consequence of Adam and Eve eating from the wrong tree. They violated the law. They experienced the punishment of the violation of the law. 
that the life that was breathed into them, which was the Holy Spirit of God, was withdrawn and they became spiritually dead. And now God is going to provide the solution for that. For the entirety of humanity. And Jesus speaks to them directly about himself, about the Heavenly Father, about the problem that began in the Garden of Eden, and about the solution that he is presently here to provide. But the people were not interested in this kind of a solution. They were not willing to believe in him. They did not want what he had to offer. They wanted what they could take from him that they wanted for their flesh, not for their spirit, not for their eternal life, but for their temporary life. There is only one thing that Jesus can do constructively in this kind of situation, and that is to find a way to end this conversation to exit this situation, to end this relationship that these people are trying to impose on him. And this is why he chose some words that would be so obscure, that would be so offensive in a way, that the people would finally leave him alone. He just walked across the Sea of Galilee to get away from these people, and they followed him. No matter where he goes and how he does it, they're coming after him. And so it is necessary for him to say something to get them out of his life, unless they want what he has to offer. Otherwise, he has to say something to end this issue, end this topic, and get these people out of his presence. He needs to get them to walk away. He already walked away, and that clearly didn't work. Now he must say something to get them to walk away. Again, in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now the people are starting to understand that this conversation is not likely going to go very far anymore. In verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now, this is a way to really make the point clear, that he is obviously speaking to them about something symbolic, that the flesh, his blood, eating, drinking, all of this is a way of describing something else. They obviously have no interest in the something else. And they certainly are not going to have any interest in this symbolic expression of his flesh and his blood either. There is nothing left to talk about. 
This is a way for Jesus to end the conflict. In verse 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Well, you know, that's his intent. That's his objective, to offend them. Because this is the only way that he can end this conflict. And sure enough, a few verses down to verse 66, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And why was it that they walked with him no more? Because they wanted something from him that was different from what he was offering. Were they looking for a Messiah, a king, who would help them to indulge their flesh? Or were they interested in a Messiah, in a king, who would provide them with everlasting life, a restored relationship with their God through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit? And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 28th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, where I was speaking in John chapter 6, verses 33 to 59. In this program, I emphasize the point that Jesus made that he had a specific mission, that he had specific tasks that he was going to perform, and that these were given by God, and he was not going to just do whatever the people wanted him to do. And I also explained some of the really tough words that Jesus used in order to divide between those who were looking for something for the indulgence of their flesh, or for those who genuinely wanted him to provide them with what they needed in their spirit. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.